0: Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, January 17th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamaninni.
1: And I'm Broadway World's Julie Musback.
0: Julie, welcome back.
1: Thank you. Uh,
0: James is out seeing John Lithgow's stories by heart tonight, so we brought you back, Julie, uh, to kind of fill in for him. And I think, knock on wood... That you're going to be with us a little bit more throughout the spring, especially as James takes on the arduous task of going and seeing every new Broadway and major off-Broadway show. I feel so bad for him, but rather than <laughs> forcing listeners to listen to just me by myself, which is horrible and awful, and I apologize for having done that in the past, I think we're going to have you around to, to kind of help bring the intellectual IQ of the show up a few notches.
1: <laughs> I hope so. I'd love to.
0: Awesome. So um, again, if people didn't hear Julie, I think you did it like the first week of January. You joined us. She is one of our news desk editors over at Broadway World and handles a lot of news content coming in and out. So she has her finger on the pulse of what's going on in the theater community, including as we talked about earlier in the week. Yesterday was a big day for a lot of shows on Broadway. We've talked about all the departures for big principles in Broadway shows that happened on Sunday, which means that Tuesday, yesterday, some shows got new leads. After starring in the California sit-down legs of the Hamilton National Tour, Michael Luwaye took over the role of Alexander Hamilton on Broadway full-time after having been an alternate before heading to the left coast. Also returning to a Broadway show in more ways than one, Sarah Bareilles returned to the musical that she wrote, because on Tuesday she replaced Betsy Wolf as Jenna and Waitress, opposite her longtime friend Jason as Dr. Pometer, who also extended his run in the show to have a little bit more time with Sarah. And finally, Swedish superstar Peter Jobak, I think, uh, returned to the Broadway production of The Phantom of the Opera. He was previously a part of the company for four months back in 2013. Now, Julie, you speak Swedish or some other random language like that, don't you? <laughs>
1: Um, I speak a little bit of Dutch, ah, a little that's bit of not the German. Same. No, it's a little different. I tried learning Swedish when I was a kid, but didn't really work out.
0: Just for, just for fun?
1: Yeah. I love languages. I love trying them all out.
0: <laughs> like I said, raising the intellectual uh, uh, level here on, at Broadway Radio because I barely know English and I took Swahili for four quarters in college, but... <laughs> Well, that that
1: might come in handy someday. You never know. Yeah,
0: if I ever decide to go visit a shithole, uh, I'll know a little bit, Swahili. Anyway, so uh, we've got one other fun thing that I wanted to share before we get into the news. By practically royal decree from the throne of Kate Schindel, today has been dubbed the third annual National Swing Day by the Actors' Equity Association. Our friend and former multiple-time guest, David Levy, has a ton of fun stuff planned for the equity social media accounts today, including the hashtag #EquityTeamSwing, team swing, which I think you will Be seeing a lot online today. Ironically, I think that was also the premise behind an episode of Netflix's anthology show, Easy, but I digress. Um, Touring shows will be taking over the Equity Instagram account in four different time zones as swings from four different productions show you what their life is like as a swing on the road. And then swings from Broadway's A Bronx Tale will be doing a Facebook Live today as well. So check out all of AEA's social media accounts to get the latest on equity or on a national swing day, Julie, it's, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but swings are really the unsung heroes of Broadway. So the fact that they are getting their own day seems like the least that the community could do for them.
1: Oh, I completely agree. When I got that release today, I was so thrilled and it sounds like they've done this before, I believe once or or twice, but, and I just think that's fantastic. Swings are unbelievable. What they do on Broadway is just amazing. Mm Mm-hmm all right and then in addition to that we've got new stars leading the new groups good for otto next month
0: yes this is julia this is an incredible cast so good for otto the new play by tony winner david rabe who's also the father of the great actress lily rape will begin performances at the pershing square signature center on february 20th thanks to the new group and the cast honestly reads like that of a movie, not a limited run off-Broadway show. The cast, some of whom have already been previously announced, will include F. Murray Abraham, Ed Harris, Rosie O'Donnell, Amy Madigan, Mark Lynn Baker, Nancy Giles, Laura Esterman, Kate Budecki, and more. The show will be directed by Scott Elliott and is scheduled to run through April 1st. The show is described thusly, quote, Like their patients and their families, Dr. Michaels, played by Ed Harris, his colleague Evangeline, played by Amy Madigan, and the clinic itself teeters between breakdown and survival, wielding dedication and humanity against the cunning, inventive adversary of mental illness to hold on to the need to fight – and to live inspired by a real clinic rabe finds humor and compassion in a raft of richly drawn characters adrift in a society and a system stretched beyond capacity the show will also feature david rabe or uh, michael rabe david rabe's son Uh, if you want to see the complete cast list of good for auto you can check it out in the show notes at broadwayradio.com now julie i i know you as more of a musical person do straight plays off broadway plays like this interest you at all or do you just stick to the musicals
1: You know, I usually don't do a lot of plays. Usually I wait to see, um, you know, what kind of cast is going to be in it. And if there's anybody that I really, really love, then I'll go. Um, This one definitely sounds really interesting. I am interested by the character element. I love character dramas, you know, things that focus like that. So I don't know. I might have to check it out.
0: Yeah, I would hurry because I have a feeling it's a pretty short run. And with a cast like this, I would not be surprised if it uh, sells really well. It's only going to be open for about a month and a half. So, well, unless it extends, of course. But if you want to get tickets, I would highly recommend uh, going over to the new group's website and figuring that out sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah. All right, so speaking of tickets, we've got some new information on last week's Broadway grosses.
0: Yes, after a rough post-New Year's frame the previous week, things got back to a fairly steady footing, if not a fairly impressive level on Broadway last week. Overall, the main stem saw box office receipts climb to $32,948,206 for a 2.3% increase over the previous week and an 11.43% improvement from the corresponding week last year. Now, what is both interesting and mildly depressing about that, as you've talked about on this show before, Julie, is that while the grosses for the week increased by almost 11.5% year over year, the total number of tickets actually dropped by more than four and a quarter percent. Now, obviously, that means there's less tickets being sold, but they made more money, which means the ticket prices went up. Obviously, Bruce Springsteen being on Broadway and Bette Midler ending her run last week in Hello Dolly contributed to the nearly 16 percent increase in grosses, but it is still a bit concerning for us average working folk trying to see some shows. Hamilton did see a more than twenty seven thousand dollar decline, but it was still in pretty good shape, leading the box office race with $3,105,160, followed by Hello Dolly, again celebrating the Divine Miss M's final performances, seeing a 230K increase up to 2436000 Then after taking a week off, Springsteen on Broadway was back to claim the third spot at $2.41 million. As always, he just does five shows, super impressive. Then there was The Lion King at 1.94 and Dear Evan Hansen at 1.74 to close out the top five. Other shows north of seven figures include In Descending Order, Wicked, Aladdin, Come From Away, The Book of Mormon, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Miss Saigon, both of those last two shows in in their final week on Broadway, The Band's Visit, Waitress, and Anastasia. Down at the other end of the scale, MTC's The Children was bringing up The Rear at $282,652, despite a nearly $65,000 bump. Six shows saw declines of more than $1 million last week, led by The Lion King, but that went from nine to eight performances, so that kind of makes sense. They were followed by some of the other family tourist-centric shows, so as more winter breaks wrapped up and tourists started to leave New York City, they all saw declines. Those shows were Phantom, Wicked, Aladdin, School of Rock, and Chicago. SpongeBob also saw a bit of a tumble of nearly 92 k Other than Dolly, for obvious reasons, Meteor Shower saw the biggest week-to-week increase, over $260,000, but obviously they had that flu-canceled performance the previous week, so they went back to a full schedule, Uh, but they still brought in $935,525 in the Tiny Booth Theater. Now, Julie, looking at this list of all the Broadway shows that are not limited runs, and we already know when they're closing, which one do you think, looking at these grosses in the cold bleak winter months which (laughs) which do you think is going to close next or do you think maybe the next show to close that's not a limited run hasn't even started playing shows on Broadway yet
1: you know I'm not sure that's a really hard question I will say that I am a little worried about the band's visit I think it's got a lot of competition coming up in terms of what tourists and the big flashy shows are doing I'm a little worried that a quiet show like that might not last on Broadway, despite the fact that I think it absolutely deserves to. So I'm just – I have my fingers crossed for them. I hope that the Tonys treat them well and that they make it that far.
0: I, I think you'll be fine. Like, it, it did – it increased its grosses last week up to $1.1 million. I think it's uh, – I think it's going to be fine. I think it'll be here for a couple of years, to be honest with you. I think it, it kind of follows – a bit of a trajectory like Come From Away, it was doing well, doing well, and then it got all these award recognition and Come From Away was helped by the fact that Dear Evan Hansen um, had been off-Broadway the year before, so it didn't get any of the awards that account for both Broadway and off-Broadway. So that cleared a path for Come From Away to get a bunch of good pub and awards. The band's visit... Um, again, it was off Broadway last year, so it won't get the same bump that come from a way But I think it's going to far and away lead in the Tony races, and I think it's going to win uh, Best Musical. I think it's gonna. I think Katrina Link is going to win, um, and there might be some others in supporting roles. But I, I think I think you're you're going to be fine there. And I know you saw it last week or the week before. And I, I think the band's visit fans are are in for a healthy run um, over at the Ethel Barrymore Theater.
1: All right, so we've got some more show and casting news coming up. Then we've got Classic Stage Company's Fire and Air begins performances tonight.
0: Yes. Okay, let's run through a bunch of stories here. First, tonight, the Classic Stage Company will begin performances of the world premiere of Terrence McNally's new play, Fire and Air, directed by John Doyle. The show is scheduled to run through February 25th and will star another great cast, Tony winner Douglas Hodge, Tony winner and erstwhile Lionel Luther, John Glover, Tony nominee the incomparable Maren Maisie, Jay Armstrong Johnson, and more. Fire and Air explores the rich history of the Ballets Russes, I don't know, an itinerant uh, Russian ballet company surrounded by great talents of art, design, and music. Tempestuous relationship between the company's founder and one of the dancers revolutionizes dance, dance forever. Now, Julie, I was going to attempt some of the character names here, but they were very Russian, and I don't <laughs> feel like screwing them up more than I probably already did. Uh, you don't happen to know any Russian, do you?
1: I don't, despite how much I love Great Comet. I do uh, not speak Russian yet.
0: Or yet. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, um, okay, so yesterday, Roy, Rory O'Malley tweeted that he will be ender ending his two-ish year run as King George III in Hamilton, he did it first on Broadway, and then in the three tour stops out in California, where he and his husband live, was a very nice accommodation for him out there, he'll be ending his, perform- his, uh, his run in the show later this month with his final performance falling on January 28th, I've heard him in an interview say that this is a role that he could play for the rest of his life, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back at some point whether it's on Broadway on tour or in some other of the 27 different productions running around the country here soon or around the world here soon uh, but I'm excited to see what he does next he's uh, incredible and and very excited to see where his career takes him, whether it's on Broadway or on screen. And then speaking of next, the next show to take over the famed Broadway theater after Miss Saigon's closure will be something called Rocktopia, which is billed as an explosive musical event that fuses the most iconic 20th century rock with world-renowned classical music. The show, which tours all over the world apparently, will play the Broadway from March 20th through April 29th, And yesterday, it was announced that Grammy winner Pat Moynihan, the lead singer of the band Train, will make his Broadway debut, we'll get to that in a second, as a part of the show for three weeks from March 20th through April 8th. Now, first off, Meet Virginia is my jam. Second off, I've seen Train in concert, and in the early 2000s, Moynihan uh, was a bit of a weird bird on stage, so we'll see what he's like on Broadway. Third off, we're going to talk a bit more about Rocktopia in a few minutes, but fourth off... Julie, do you think that doing a three-week run in what is essentially a rock concert should qualify as someone's Broadway debut just because it happens to be in a Broadway house?
1: Okay, see, I am a little bit torn here the more I think about it, because I have issues with even Bruce Springsteen's run. I question whether that should be considered a Broadway show, even though it's in a Broadway theater. I just, that whole thing just confuses me a little, and I'm a little... On the line about whether it should count. I do like the idea of bringing in rock and bringing in more of a musical element to Broadway and letting that be, you know, part of what happens in theater. But, you know, I don't know. It's just a three week run and it's it's still a short show altogether. I'm really not sure about this.
0: Yeah. I mean, Springsteen is a little different because, one, it's a much longer run and he is telling a story. In it as well. I mean, the, the concert is framed around his memoir, uh, Born right. to Run. So that's a it's a little bit of a different situation. Um, but it, it, there's just something weird to me that's saying Pat Moynihan's making his Broadway debut. He's going to sing some rock songs in a show with a bunch of other people for three weeks and then he's piecing out. It's just, it feels weird. Um, now, I've I've said this before when this show was announced. I saw the band Kansas with like a college symphony and it was awesome. I loved it. So I have no problem with Rocktopia. Um, I have no problem with Rocktopia on Broadway. It just feels like I don't know if these people have to join equity. do they get some sort of weird allowance so they don't join equity? Like, if you're not a member of equity, can you really claim it as your Broadway debut? It just feels weird. Hopefully, someone knows the logistics of this, but there's just something about it that seems weird. I don't I, I don't know. whatever. I
1: agree. It's a little strange.
0: Yeah. All right. Finally in this section, Julie, oh, this one's going to be fun to talk about too. Yesterday, the Emerson Colonial Theater announced that tickets for the 36th performance out-of-town tryout for the stage adaptation of Moulin Rouge will go on sale today, first to American Express card members, then to Audience Rewards members a week from today, and then the seven or eight remaining tickets, if that, will go on sale to the general public beginning on January 28th. Directed by Alex Timbers, this pre-Broadway production will run from June 27th, the day after my birthday, through August 5th, and casting will be announced soon, so they say. Aaron Tveit and Karen Olivo played the lead roles of Christian and Satine in the recent reading. I would assume they'll both be a part of this production, but um, I have a friend who's the head of uh, uh, media relations at the Emerson, and he would not give me any details. But whatever. But okay, now a. I feel like I need to get an American Express, an American Express card because those guys get all of the theater ticket perks. But B,
1: it is the thing in New York. You I, have to have an, an American Express card in New York. It's crazy. It's a
0: little annoying. I'm a little <laughs> I'm a little perturbed. But anyway, okay. Julie, this is one of if not your favorite movies ever, correct?
1: Yes, that is correct. I once watched it every day for a month. <laughs>
0: okay, you have issues. Um, I know. (laughs) Secondly, or or thirdly, Seely, I don't remember how how I'm numbering things anymore. But earlier today, you told me and our BWW colleagues in our Slack chat channel—that's hard to say—you told us that you had no interest (laughs) in seeing the show. What What is that all about?
1: I just I love the movie so much that I I don't trust anyone to put it on stage. I don't want to see what it turns into. I. You know, I took that telecharge survey. They're like, how about we put modern pop songs in here? And I was like, no, absolutely not. But I just I think it's it's so iconic in my own mind that I feel like I would walk into the theater and think I'm ready to hate this. And it's not the right attitude to take in there. It's not fair to any of the creatives or the cast. I just I don't have an interest in seeing my favorite movie changed in any way. I like the way it exists in my own world.
0: Okay, that's fair. Um, I think it's a terrible uh, opinion, but I, that's fair for you to have it. Um, I'm super excited about this. I don't remember. Do, what year did Moulin Rouge come out? Do you know?
1: Oh, God, I don't. Okay, not a big deal. Early 2000s? I'm Yeah, I think sure. it came out
0: when I was in college, maybe high school. I don't remember the exact year, but... Um,
1: I went to Australia because of this movie. I worked with some of the people who worked on it. I, it just, it means so much to me. Yeah. I don't want to see it changed.
0: You're weird. Yeah. It came out in 2001, came out in (laughs) 2001. So I was in college and I love this movie. It was, it's so good. Um, but it, to me, it's always screamed for a stage adaptation, and I think Alex Timbers is a great person to helmet. I agree with you, though, that I don't want them changing the score. Unless there's some sort of rights issues with songs, I don't want it to change. Like, that score is fantastic. I mean, they can add stuff, but don't take anything out. Like, it, it, it needs to feel the same because it's it's really fantastic. But I'm excited to and see Baz
1: it. And Baz has such a style, though. Baz has, is so stylistic yes. in his Filming and cinematography, I just worry it's not going to translate right. And I honestly think this is coming at the wrong time. I think had they done it two seasons ago, one season ago even, then maybe I would have felt differently. But I think with all of these different movie adaptations popping up, I just... I think this is not the time to add in another one. Well,
0: I will say that it's likely this show will not come in until the 2019 2020 season. The reason being, as we've talked before on this show, the producers of this are also the producers of King Kong. Um, and apparently they don't want to have two shows coming in in the same season. King Kong is opening allegedly in November of 2018. So that means it won't, Moulin Rouge probably won't come until. The following season, whether that's the fall of 2019 or the spring of 2020, um, that also kind of corresponds with Karen Olivo is doing a local production of Fun Home back in Madison, Wisconsin, where she lives coming up later this year. So she would be unavailable if she does continue with it. But you might not be looking forward to it, but I certainly am, especially if Tevate and Olivo are in it because they're two of my favorites.
1: Mm-hmm. So today, Broadway World launched something really exciting. We've got a new theater camp guide.
0: Yes, this is super cool. Julie, did you you grew up in Minnesota and California? Did you ever go to a theater? I camp? did
1: not. No.
0: No, neither did I. No. So what this is is we over we've talked about here on this show before. Um, over the last few months, six months or whatever, we've launched a couple of different new sections on Broadway World: the Industry Insider and Charity Corner, and our newest one is a theater camp guide. We have over 500 camps in all 50 states that are offering music theater and musical theater programs for campers to come in over the summer. It's a really easy to use database. You have all these different data points that you can select what different camps you want to find out about things for certain ages, whether they're sleep away, whether they're days, whether they do theater or musical theater, whether they have design stuff in it. So it's a really interesting thing if you want to go uh, and check that out. Uh, Apparently, I had no idea how big this was. The fact that there are 500 of them. Blows my mind. And then when we launched it today or yesterday, because we're recording on Tuesday. We got dozens of emails of other people saying, hey, will you add ours in there? Um, so I spent a good chunk of my afternoon adding new camps in there. Um, but it's uh, it's really crazy. So if you are interested in finding a summer camp either for yourself, if you are under 18, or for your kids uh, to send them away and get them out of the house for for the summer, head over to uh, Broadway World's new camp guide. That can be found, uh, It'll it's up on the, the main page, but it's www.broadwayworld.com camp. Guide and you can check out All of the different stuff in there that's uh that's really Fun I you know I've seen the movie Camp so um I uh I kind of know
1: What camps are like I don't know (laughs) if that's
0: actually How it works or not but if Anna Kendrick Was there I would go uh, you know adding to my super
1: cool As a child thing I went to horse camp That was fun
0: (laughs) Yeah I went I went to a camp that was just called camp it was C A M P, constructing assured and motivated people. So if that tells you anything about me.
1: Yeah, you're pretty cool too, hey.
0: <clears throat> no, <laughs> not at all.
1: All right, so we've also got a special press preview from Rocktopia that came out.
0: <laughs> yes, so apparently yesterday Rocktopia met um, the, the press and did a performance. For some reason, I don't know who the people are that sang this preview. It's kind of odd that they didn't uh, highlight that. But what they did is a fantastic song. I I think James and I have talked about this before, but Heart is one of my favorite bands ever and Nancy Wilson. They did a, a cool performance of the song Alone. Um, there were backup singers, there was an orchestra, there was like this huge choir, some great guitars, solos, some really good riffing and, a, you know, kind of mixed with a little bit of a classical feel to it as well. Julie, have you checked out this video yet?
1: I did. I watched it earlier tonight. It is pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. And the the, the name of the singer, I got that wrong. It's Chloe Lowry is the name of the lead singer on this. Um, She's not, you know. And, but she's pretty good. Um, I enjoyed it like I said I mean I've seen something similar to this before and it's cool. Um, again, I, I have no problem with it. Um, it's not something that on my trip up in March it's not something that I'm gonna be paying to see but I think it's something Julie that I think some I, I think some people in the suburbs and and some people of a certain age are gonna go to I, I feel like this is going to not you know break you know box office records. But I think it's going to do OK, especially for just six weeks.
1: Yeah, I would be interesting to see what kind of precedence this sets for bringing more shows out like this to put a more artistic spin on the theater of, you know, rock performance. But I think it'll definitely be interesting for a lot of different audiences. It seems like something that could attract the whole family or, yeah. you know, specific groups here and there. It's, I mean, it's the kind of thing where you can connect to one specific aspect of it and that's going to get you in the door.
0: Yeah, whether that's the Mozart and Tchaikovsky part or whether that's the Journey and Foreigner part, um, whatever it is, there is definitely something for everybody in there. Now, before we go, Julie, earlier this week we're recording on Tuesday, so yesterday was your birthday, so happy birthday.
1: Thank you, it was my birthday.
0: And today, Wednesday, when this comes out, you are flying across the Atlantic over to London, right?
1: Yes, weather permitting.
0: Yeah, of course. So (laughs) what what theatery type things are you going to do when you're over in the UK?
1: Oh, I got tickets to Cursed Child. So I'm very excited about that. I know absolutely nothing about it. I've stayed away from everything written about it. So I have no idea what I'm walking into.
0: All right. Both parts, right? Yes. Okay, uh, you know nothing about cursed child. I know nothing about Harry Potter, so I guess we're kind of on the same page there. Uh, oh all no, right.
1: no, no! Very different pages. We were in, <laughs> we were in different books. That's okay. that's where we're at. I'm also seeing their production of Julius Caesar starring Michelle Fairley, and I am thrilled. Is
0: that is that the RSC? Oh no! I think it's National Theater. I think it's at the National Theater. Uh, I'm pretty sure because it's coming to NT Live later this year. I remember. So uh, anyway, cool. We'll have a great trip. Say hello to our mutual friend Nicole and uh, and uh, get back to uh, the U.S. safe and sound. Obviously, you're still going to work while you're over there, right? So you're.
1: No, you're... I'm actually taking oh, these taking few days over. off. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Well.
1: I'm taking my work with me later.
0: Okay. Well, I guess you're uh, going to put more work on the rest of us. But fine. Whatever. We don't mind. <laughs> all right just well, a couple days yeah whatever all right thanks for listening to today on broadway follow us on facebook and twitter at broadway radio and you can find me on twitter at bwb matt and subscribe to something like it, pop on itunes stitcher google play julie where can people find you on the social medias
1: i am on twitter at julie musback and i am on instagram at julie k c a y
0: james and i will be back to talk to you tomorrow we will be joined by the one and only Tony winner Lena Hall. So uh, tune in for that tomorrow. She'll be telling us all about her Obsessed series and her new TV show, Snowpiercer. So until then, have a great Wednesday.